What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome back to the MLS Multiplex Podcast. I'm your host, Topher Adams, site expert at O-Towns 11. I want to thank you all for listening to this week's episode, and I want to apologize for a gap in programming the last few weeks. It's been a busy slate for me personally, but I'm back in my proverbial studio to discuss the top stories across Major League Soccer this week. We are now seven weeks into the 2023 season, and the year is rolling on by. Before getting into any fun on-field stories, we have to address the situation between the New York Red Bulls and the San Jose Earthquakes. There was an incident on the field Saturday where Red Bull striker Dante Van Zier used a racial slur, and several Earthquakes players immediately responded. There's a lot I personally don't know about this situation, but if you watch what happened, you listen to the responses and the feedback from, from players, especially someone like Jeremy Abobasi, who had a, who had a lot of really eloquent um, things to say post-game. Um, it's really important from all this that the league does the right thing and handles this situation appropriately. Um, I don't know what that looks like exactly, but it has to be a very severe punishment uh, for both Van Zier and Red Bulls head coach Gerhard Struber. Uh, this is a very serious incident. Uh, this is not the first time something like this has happened to black players in Major League Soccer. And it's important that the league actually stands by its anti-racist, inclusive messaging and does something to hold people accountable and create a safe space for everybody in and around this league. Uh, it's so unfortunate and, and, and disappointing to see things like this happen especially with how much um, surface-level progress, it seems, has been made. Um, you think of the growth of an organization like Black Players for Change. Um, all that growth is great, but even things like this continue to happen, and Black players and Black people are still subjugated to just things like this. And it's, it's really heartbreaking to see, but hopefully the league does right. By, by the Earthquakes players and, and stands, stands up uh, to, to these kind of issues and this treatment and, and make sure um, to be on the right side of history with this incident. Um, there's no good way to transition into stalker stories um, from something like that, but it was important to, to address uh, the kind of the biggest story in the league right now, which transcends soccer, transcends on the field stories and I wish this wasn't the first MLS news I was talking about on this platform in, in about a month, but um, this takes precedence, and I just have to have to get that note out there before we move on to what I want to discuss this week. So for the first part in today's show, I want to focus on a handful of teams that are really coming out slow to start the 2023 season. Now, I'm usually a pretty positive person. You know, I'd love to just talk about the, the fun, happy stories like Dennis Buwanga's superhuman form or, or Houston's reemergence uh, towards the top of the West. But, you know, we're roughly a quarter mark uh, into the season here, and, and some teams are in serious trouble. So 
let's take a look at some of the clubs across the across the league that are in dire straits to start this year. Uh, let's start off with a team in my home state, uh, Inner Miami. Uh, I was extremely skeptical of this team entering the season and picked them to finish 12th in the league table. And at this rate, it uh, looks like one of my best predictions of the season. Uh, after winning their first two games, the Herons have lost five in a row. Phil Neville, their head coach, was listed as a potential hot seat candidate by The Athletic this week, and things are going sour quickly in Fort Lauderdale. Joseph Martinez, their big offseason acquisition from Atlanta United, still hasn't scored, and the Lionel Messi rumors are getting quieter by the day. Now, Miami, you, I mentioned how the Miami, the Messi to Miami rumors are kind of dying away now. There's still an outside chance that that happens. I don't think that rumor will ever truly die until the day Lionel Messi hangs up his cleats permanently. But for, for the purposes of this, we're going to act like that's just not happening anymore. And there's no similar silver bullet player for this team. And they kind of are what they are for the rest of the year. And that is not a good thing if you're into Miami and you want to compete for the playoffs. Uh, this is an, clearly a very ambitious ownership group. A very ambitious fan base, very ambitious organization all around. However, outside of the last couple months of the season last year, it's been a it's been a disappointment. And I've credited Phil Neville um, for getting the best out of a bad squad. And frankly, I still don't blame Phil Neville for the performance of this team. I don't think this is a very talented roster. I think there's holes all over the place, and there's a huge hole in top end talent, especially top end creative talent. They did nothing to replace Alejandro Pozuelo. They did nothing, really, to replace Gonzalo Higuain, except bringing in Joseph Martinez, who is both a less effective goal scorer and has nowhere near the same kind of technical, uh, tactical versatility that Higuain brought, being able to play with the ball more. Um, so just all around, this team's not good enough. Uh, they had a couple of big early wins and kind of had some good vibes going. I praise them even on this show, but I think... The true inner Miami team, as constructed, is is starting to show, um, and Phil Neville has has his work cut out for him to salvage salvage this season. All right, let's stay on the theme of big brands and David Beckham, but swap coasts and go to his former playing side, the Los Angeles Galaxy. And I actually predicted the Galaxy to win their sixth MLS Cup this year. If Miami could be my best preseason prediction, then this is probably my worst. I mean, the Galaxy are winless through seven. Just rocked 3-0 by the Houston Dynamo. Uh, Ricky Puj and Dejan Jovalich have yet to hit their form from last season. The roster's filled with glaring holes all over the pitch. Uh, things have been bad in, in Carson, really, since since the end of last season. Which which was weird to me, because I, I thought last season was such a positive step in the right direction for Greg Vanny and his Galaxy program, you know, making the playoffs, winning a round, going toe-to-toe with eventual champions LAFC, uh, in the second round, um, to me, that was like, oh, okay, the Galaxy are back. This is this is the new standard for them. But, you know, the fans who are complaining about the front office, they clearly knew a whole lot more about the situation than I did. I mean, this is teetering on the brink of disaster. I mean, the Galaxy are nowhere close to their championship expectations. Uh, this roster is a lot worse constructed than I had originally thought. And I think Greg Vanny, as much as I really respect him as a coach, and I think he's been a really good coach and, frankly, a pretty good executive for them in his in his time in, in Los Angeles, 
you know, he deserves a lot of the blame for not mixing up his system, not adjusting his principles of play to fit the realities of his roster. I think everybody who talks about MLS or writes about MLS has pointed out the fact that this Galaxy team lacks wingers. There are not good wingers on this team. Douglas Costa is a gigantic bust, and we knew that from the day he was signed. Tyler Boyd, I mean, he is what he is. You know, he was a trialist for a reason. There's a reason he wasn't signed, you know, for TAM money or assigned as a DP contract. There's a reason he was a free agent after a spell that went awful with Besiktas in Turkey. You know, he, he <laughs> he's... I'll give him credit. I think he's an MLS caliber player, but he's like a bench player in Major League Soccer. And Grand Sear's gone, Cabral's gone, and you know, in hindsight, maybe those players weren't as bad as they as they seemed. Uh, you know, Cabral couldn't finish, but he always was a dangerous player, getting into dangerous spots. Grand Sear had some pace, had some crossing ability, but. These current winger crop, they just don't have the skills to play a 4-3-3, a 4-2-3-1 type of shape. But that's what Vandy's been doing a lot of, and it hasn't worked. And, you know, Chicharito just got back, so maybe they can try something with Jovalich and Chicharito in a, in a two-front. But, you know, Jovalich has been pretty bad this season. Nowhere near his, his superhuman scoring off the bench last year. Ricky Puj is a shell of himself, at least in a production standpoint. I'm sure somebody who who really analyzes the galaxy might have nicer things to say about Ricky Puj if you really dig into the nuts and bolts of his performance. But, you know, surface level, like, he's just not getting it done when it matters. He's not putting up goals. He's not putting up assists. He's not leading to creative, uh, dangerous chances. Um, and, and really, the thing, the, the big thing with the galaxy right now, if you follow MLS media, is that they're kind of a meme team. And that's not acceptable. It's not acceptable to be the goofy, bad meme team when you're supposed to be like the flagship franchise of the league. You know, that's just, it just can't happen. And I've long, like heading into the season, I really defended the Galaxy front office because I thought last season was such a step in the right direction. But this is like, if, if last year was like two steps forward, this is a hundred steps back to start the year. There's a lot of the season left. As I mentioned, Chicharito just made his return to the field. Um, things can turn around. There's plenty of time. But if, if the vibes don't improve drastically over the next few weeks, this could be a massive injunction point for the LA Galaxy. All right, let's go back to the Eastern Conference where all of last season's good vibes are gone in Montreal. You know, CF Montreal was bound for aggression after selling several key players from last season's second-place team in the Eastern Conference. The club failed to bring in reinforcements and then lost head coach Wilfred Nancy to Columbus. He's doing very well in his new digs. Uh, new head coach Hernan Lusada has just one win and five losses through six games, and Montreal sits rock bottom in the Eastern Conference. And honestly, they're, they are worse than that record because their one win was an incredibly fluky game against the, the Philadelphia Union at the uh, Olympic Stadium where things always get weird and there is weird officiating, weird turf, everything. That's a total fluke win. So really, they have five losses and a strange win, which is not a great way to start when there were already significant questions about your team and about your head coach. Um, they are tied for the worst record in the league 
um, with uh, just three points tied with the Galaxy and Sporting Kansas City, who we will get to in a bit. Um, it, it's it's hard to say it wasn't predictable because, again, they sold so many key players. They brought in Losada, who did not come with a great reput- uh, reputation from D.C. United after things went horribly in his second season there. Um, the, the club seemed to believe a lot more in their youth academy uh, than they probably should have. Um, no disrespect to the kids they're playing. It's just it's hard to replace really good MLS players with teenagers playing their first major professional minutes, especially when you do nothing to supplement that with any outside acquisitions. I mean, maybe I'm missing something on the periphery, but I don't know if Montreal made a single signing other than I believe they signed Shinonso 04 from Chicago. And, like, it, it kind of makes you wonder what's what's even the point of this franchise. You know, last year they showed that they can contend and they can they can really compete at a high level and, you know, they can they can go out and try and win uh, win, win MLS, compete for trophies. But they immediately sold off their championship window and did nothing to replace it. Because selling is a part of the league. It's fine. You have young players. You have talented players. You're going to want to sell them along higher up in the global soccer food chain. But not replacing those guys at all makes you question what's what's the point i see why nancy was frustrated and left i can see why they had to settle for a coach with a spotty resume like losada and i hope for montreal fans things go better soon but i can't say uh i can't say i see see that happening anytime in the near future all right let's round it out with the aforementioned sporting kansas city as i said they're one of three teams tied for the wooden spoon race, uh, tied for the bottom in Major League Soccer in that wooden spoon chase. Um, and Sporting Kansas City was supposed to be a team reborn this season. After a strong finish in 2022, it looked like Peter Vermees' squad was poised to make a return to the playoffs. Uh, through seven weeks, that couldn't be further from the truth. KC is bottom in the Western Conference and scored the fewest goals in MLS with just two goals in seven games. Uh, it's... It's just disappointing. Again, they were they were so, so good the last few months in the season uh, to end last year, uh, especially once they signed Willie Magata and Eric Tommy in the summer. But those players have gotten off to horribly slow starts. You know, Matt Doyle of the Extra Time podcast and MLSsoccer.com had huge, huge hopes for Willie Magata. And while he might have been a bit extreme in those hopes, I still think it was fairly well-founded. Agata was a very good player last year. He did a lot of really good things. He had a lot of good underlying stats. He was very productive. He was very athletic. And he just has not come close to reaching that level. Eric Tommy has shown a lot of technical ability, but he has not turned that into actual production. You know, Daniel Shallowy is another really talented player, but it's not manifesting itself into anything. And you have all these talented players, but you have two goals in seven games. That's baffling to me. And... and it's not really even a system problem in a lot of ways. I, I don't think they play like the least attractive or the worst soccer in the world. Uh, they're not like they're least, they have two goals, but they have 6.6 expected goals, you know? And, and, you know, there's a lot of talk about how viable expected goals are as a stat uh, in small sample sizes. And that's a valid uh, criticism, but you know, that's kind of beside the point. 
however you slice it, this team just is not executing and not delivering uh, on the chances that it is creating. And, you know, it's, it's just frustrating. It's just frustrating. If you're a Sporting Kansas City fan, you expected more. You should expect more. You have the talent to do more. I think we've seen in MLS that Agata, Tommy, Shallowy, Kyrie Shelton, these are all good soccer players. They are all talented athletes who can produce at a high level in this league, but they're just not. They're just not doing that. And maybe when they get healthy, that'll change. Johnny Russell's making his way back. Alan Polito, Gadi Kinda. These are very good players as well that can kind of supplement the roster and just add some some extra horses, uh, add some extra extra firepower to maybe get over that that hump. But it, it's tough to see what they do to improve because again, it's not like the system's been awful. It's not like the style of play is bad. It's not like there's huge glaring weaknesses from a coaching perspective. It's really just the guys on the field aren't executing up to the level that they should, up to the level that they can, and it's kind of it's kind of filling filling Sporting Kansas City with a lot of question marks through seven weeks. Again, them, SKC, the Galaxy, and Montreal all tied for last in Major League Soccer with just three points. The Galaxy, actually, to go back to them for a second, they're winless. They have three draws but no wins. Uh, Sporting Kansas City, the other team, they're they are two winless teams left in Major League Soccer, SKC and the LA Galaxy. So um, we'll see. I, I still believe at some level that talent wins out. And I think Sporting Kansas City is a talented team. And I think the LA Galaxy are a talented team. But, you know, this kind of hole to dig yourself in, even with the expanded playoff, you know, it's I know we're too early to talk about standings. And they, they're only four points back the last playoff spot. But even still, you know, it's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to claw their way. Uh, out of out of this 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 terrible start, and we'll see what happens um, for Sporting Kansas City um, if they if they can live up uh, to to their reputation as a franchise and get back into the playoffs this year. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. I want to pivot to an interesting discourse on MLS Twitter last week uh, for this for this last part of the show here. I want to talk about the schedule. You know, with the MLS season pass on Apple TV deal, the league formalized its weekly schedule to put almost every game set to kick off at 7.30 p.m. local time on Saturdays. A lot of people across league circles raised their frustration with the new schedule this past week and how it limits how much of the league we can actually watch as consumers. As somebody who tries to watch as much of the league as my schedule allows, this is something I've had a lot of thought about. And I really agreed with the general sentiment that a lot of people shared online last week, which is, the this this formalized schedule um it, it makes it really hard to watch a lot of MLS and a lot of different MLS teams you know i'll think back to last year with the old with the schedule where it would be like oh i don't know 2 3 afternoon games you know 5 6 night games and then like two, three games on Sunday. Obviously, that's not the actual numbers, but that's like the general vibe. And I could see like 10 to 12, you know, teams play and like watch their actual games 
you know, in a, in a weekend. Uh, and I'll say now through seven weeks, I don't know if I've ever watched less major league soccer, uh, to start a season. And, and a part of it is just cause you know, logistics, I'm a, I'm a pretty busy person. I have a lot of other commitments, but I think the format really hinders my ability to watch more because, you know, as somebody who's a big Orlando city person and cover Orlando city and spend a lot of time with that, you know, I'll focus on the Orlando city game and I miss just about every other game that happens on a weekend and I'm stuck watching highlights and I know they have the whip around show and that's, that is something and I'll get to that in a second, but it is so much harder with this compact schedule to watch a lot of different MLS and to watch more of the league because it all happens in such a short period of time that there's, you really have to pick and choose what you watch and you can't, you can't really ingest a large chunk of the league. Um, and again, let's go, let's touch on the whip round show. Cause that's kind of like my big thought. And I think this kind of ties into my general theory, my general belief with this condensed schedule. So I think the idea of a whip around show in sports television really comes from the success of NFL red zone. And as somebody who has watched NFL Red Zone in the past, I think it is awesome. I think it's a really, really cool way uh, to keep track of the NFL because the NFL has most of its games on at 1 o'clock and 4 o'clock uh, on Sundays. So that's the really awesome way to bounce around all the different games happening. Now, here's the problem with that. I think MLS MLS's whip around show and, and the idea to kind of have all these games happen at the same time miss like fundamentally misunderstands the sport that it's covering the way american football works is very conducive to flipping and watching multiple games at the same time and that's for a lot of reasons commercial breaks the structure of each individual play with a pause in between you know that that's a sport that is very easy to flip between games and jump between games. On college football Saturdays, I will have the remote by my side and be flipping between six, like four to five, six games at any given time. Every time there's a commercial break, every time there's a lull in the action, you know, I will flip to another game and then flip back to the main game and so on and so forth. The problem with soccer is that it's not structured like that. There are no pauses. There are no breaks in the action. You don't want... I don't... Me personally... When I watch soccer, I don't want to just watch the highlights. I don't want to watch the goals because, you know, I can just do that after the games. I can just watch the seven-minute recaps or whatever on YouTube or on the MLS Season Pass app. When I watch soccer and actually watch full games on a Saturday night, I want to watch how the game flows. I want to watch the little, excuse me, the little combinations in the midfield. I want to watch, you know... Which, which ways are they attacking? What, you know, who, how are the fullbacks, uh, how are they positioned? How are, you know, the defensive block positioning? How, how are they pressing? All these, like, little details that really only happening, that really only, ha- you can really only notice, excuse me, um, when, uh, really only notice when you watch a full game and really focus on an individual game. And these, this compact schedule and a whip-around show you miss the soccer 
and really it just becomes a highlight show. And, you know, maybe, maybe the people, myself included, who don't like this style, maybe it's the outlier. Maybe MLS 360 and the condensed schedule is improving general audiences, uh, experience with MLS. It's, it's improving the general, uh, experience of watching major league soccer on a weekend. But for me, it's, it's a decidedly worse game day experience because I get to watch so much less actual soccer happen. And I try my best to stay informed about all these teams. I definitely have teams that I know a lot more about and teams that I won't speak authoritatively on because I haven't really watched them. And I will say this year, there's quite a few teams that I don't feel comfortable sharing very declarative opinions about. You know, I don't, I don't want to tell you very much about the Portland Timbers because I don't know that much about the Portland Timbers because it's been hard to watch you know, Portland Timbers games while trying to bounce with everything else. Or I can't tell you very much about NYCFC right now because it's been a while since I've actually watched NYCFC play soccer. Uh, and, uh, you know, in years prior, I found it was a lot easier to really get a good feel and really watch these teams play every week with the more spaced out schedule to make it easier to get a balanced tasting menu of MLS action. And and I, I know that Apple and Major League Soccer, uh, nothing about this deal and the way they have it structured is set in stone. I think they're doing a very good job of being flexible and being willing to adjust on a pretty quick basis to maximize and make the best product possible. And, you know, maybe again, maybe this is the best way to do it. But, you know, I think if this is a problem, that, that a lot of people are having and a lot of people don't like um, don't like this new schedule. I, I think the league and Apple will work quick to to change things and and return it to something like the years prior and, and give us an opportunity to watch more of the league um, every single week and really tune in to the actual soccer and not just the highlights. Thank you all for listening to this episode of MLS Multiplex. I know it was a different kind of format, maybe a bit rambly than some other episodes, but I just wanted to get something out back out, get back to a consistent uh, production grind uh, for this show, and ho- hopefully I'll be able to produce uh, consistent weekly episodes and, and maximize our, the content we produce and give you all some of the best MLS podcast content out there. Uh, keep posted wherever you get your podcasts for more episodes of the show. And if you enjoy this week's episode, be sure to share on social media. Uh, it helps getting the word out and sharing the show with others. And I really appreciate uh, you guys listening and sharing and rating our, our, our program. Uh, I'll be back again next week with more of the MLS Multiplex podcast. Thanks again for listening.